Good morning, friends. So thankful to be here with you this morning. I am helping to continue a series that's begun a couple weeks ago. We've been talking about everyday mission, the idea of being the presence of God everywhere we go. And in the particular passage we just read from Romans 12, that call to be living sacrifices before the Lord, helpful and useful in a culture that needs to hear desperately the love of God through us. Let me pray as we begin. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word. Thank you for its inspiration over us. Lord, I pray this morning that as we spend time considering your call, Jesus, to work with you and through you and in you to continue to build up and expand the kingdom, Father, I pray that you would minister to each and every one of our hearts and minds as we consider your word and by your spirit the call to go out and make more disciples. For you and your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of the series, again, is Everyday Mission, and Pastor Lars and we as a pastoral staff came up with this because we really feel that the Lord is calling us to inspire and to increase in our church a desire and passion for everyday mission so that we can go out and reach with God's love a world that needs it. So our hope today is to inspire your personal call to go out and represent Christ everywhere you go. So what is the idea of mission? Well, I love the definition that Lars has been working with the last couple weeks. It is the mediating work between the world and the presence of God. The mediating work that we do between the world and the presence of our God. Now, where do we get to do this work? Where do we participate in everyday mission? Well, a good place to consider that is in the places that God sends you. The lunch place you'll go to today, the home you live in, the neighborhood he sets you in, everywhere you go. And to consider the value and call of the people that God places around you. Again, every day and, and throughout your day. How can we mission? How can we be and participate in that mediating work between the world and God everywhere we go in the places that we see? Now, this idea of missioning together, uh, it, it works really well, but what about in the workplace? Now, a number of you are still at work. Some of you have maybe retired, but this idea of being at work, how do we mission? How do we do ministry? How do we represent God and Christ in our workplaces? Now, this could be our school. It could be our work from home. It could be maybe our work is home. Again, maybe it's clubs that we belong to or organizations that we connect with, but how do we do mission? How do we participate in God's mission in and through the work that he's given us? Now, again, maybe your work days are behind you, the, the regular daily. Maybe you look at that boardroom picture and you're like, I'm glad I'm not there anymore, okay? But there are places that God does send you each and every day and people that he places around you for that for inspiration and for definition of what it means to live on mission, I looked at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. You can look at these with me here. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but they put it on a lampstand, and there it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God 
Give glory to your Father in heaven. Well, let's unpack this a little bit. First of all, the, the first two words in both paragraphs, you are salt and light. You notice this isn't a conditional. He's not saying, hey, if you can do better at maybe trying to be. He's saying, no, that you actually are salt and light. Every believer in Christ, everyone who says, I'm a Christian, everyone who accepts that gift of grace, there's a change of status that is given to us. We become then salt and light. So salt, by the way, there's many different ways that we can consider the value of salt and what it meant, as Jesus said, you are the salt of the world. And you've probably heard a few sermons on it. I think one of the most natural understandings of the idea of salt is that it was a preservative. You got to remember in Jesus' time, they ate a lot of fish. So they pulled a lot of fish out of the water and instantly the problem with fish, once it's out of the water is, it starts to go bad pretty quickly. You have to pack it in something. And so salt was a very natural and abundant preservative. You'd put it in there to, present the, to keep the fish from rotting, to, present that, to prevent that decay of the meat. So in, in many ways, we are called to do the same, to be a preservative in a world that quickly is rotting and decaying. We are called to be that pure preservative that present, prevents that fish rot from happening, not only in our culture, in our world, but even in the hearts of those that we, uh, those that we interact with. So how does salt then lose its saltiness? Well, it really doesn't. What he's saying here is it gets mixed with impurities. It's sort of like when you put ice in the chest, and then you put some meat in there, food in there as well. Well, at some point when the, the, the dirt and everything mixes in with the ice, you're like, well, I'm not going to use that for my, my drink. I'm going to dump it out on the lawn, right, and just let it melt. That's the same idea with the salt. He's saying if it gets mixed with enough impurities, it's not really good for anything. You're not going to keep using the salt for anything. You're going to just dump it out on the road, and it's going to get trampled. Well, what about light? He says, you are the light of the world. You shouldn't hide that. In fact, be a city up on a hill, a beacon to neighbors around you. This idea of being light, who would go out and hide one under a bushel? Well, the point of that is it would be snuffed out. It would suffocate the light. Why would you light something and then place some, a covering over it? It's not going to get sufficient oxygen. It's going to just burn low and possibly even burn out. Again, there's this call for us to go out and to be a presence of God's purifying culture, staying pure, declaring his love, and then also being that light, that beacon on a hill that neighbors around us would come and find as a place of refuge. I love the purpose that he declares after the bottom of these two paragraphs where he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and not credit you with them. Oh, you're such a nice person. No, instead, they would give glory to God, the Father who is in heaven. That's our call to mission with the people around us, and everywhere we go. As followers of Christ, we have been given this call, this new status that we are indeed salt and light, called to be pure in a world that is constantly eroding, and to be light, to give hope, to be a place of refuge when people need that. So my question today when we look at this passage is, well, how? How can we do that in our workspaces, in the places that we go, in our schools, in our homes, in our neighborhood, or neighborhood associations? How can we be salt and light, especially in workplaces where they say, actually, this is a salt-free environment? Don't bring any nuts in your, your lunch and, and check your salt at the door. How can we be light 
in, in a place where often it feels like, hey, keep your light to yourself. Uh, don't bring that light around us. Uh, it's been maybe prohibited sometimes in some places. You don't want to burn too brightly in the workplace, for sure. Now, at this point, I could turn and give you some really wonderful examples of the time that I spent in work, because that, that's one uh, distinction that I do have as a pastor is I've worked in, in some corporate environments, and to be honest with you, I kind of miss it, uh, because I had such an, an opportunity to interact with non-believers and, and exchange you know, uh, uh, God's love in fresh ways. Uh, now, as a pastor, they see me coming, <laughs> so I'm kind of out that way. Um, but I could go back into my history and explain to you, you know, a couple of different great stories of ways that God did use me in the workplace, but honestly, those stories are a little over 10 years old. So I invited a friend to join me this morning to give us an idea of what it's like to be salt and to be light in a, a particularly uh, field where it is difficult to be salt and light. And so my friend Lori Cook is here, and she is an on-air personality still with uh, a television station that I used to work for, Wood TV8. And let me give you an idea of what she does, and then she's going to come up and share with us what it's like to be salt and light in the workspace. Let's click. Five nights of fun. Five nights of family. Five nights of Miranda where you live. Meet amazing kids, hear inspiring stories, and find out simple solutions to help your family live smarter, happier, and healthier lives. Every day I'm inspired by amazing people doing incredible acts of kindness. We are here in Garfield Park and we're here because of faces like this. Look at that. It's all for the kids and we're thrilled to have our new police chief joining us and your whole team is here in a big way. Well, we're here just to interact with people. Feel the zeal? Well, Downtown Zealand has got it going on. They're hosting annual Healthy Living Street Fairs for the entire community every Monday in July from 6 to 9 p.m. Bring the kids out for all kinds of hands-on activities. Best of all, it's totally free. If you're looking for more ideas for family fun, you can always head to our website. That is an amazing dinosaur. We are here at the Grand Rapids Children's Museum where this exhibit is making a big scene. Maggie, tell me about amazing dinosaurs. It sure is. Hello, you are right. It is a busy weekend in West Michigan. Downtown Grand Rapids has a big family bash happening tonight at the YMCA. Tell me a little bit about what you have planned for families. All right, please help me welcome my friend from WOTV in West Michigan, Lori Cook. Thanks Thank for you. Here. It's yeah. so good to be here. And it's strange to be introduced as Lori Cook because for over 35 years I've been Miranda. Uh, and I still am Miranda, just so you know. Um, I thought it would, I want to first of all start by saying what an honor it is to be here at your church. Oh. And to be standing on the stage with my dear friend Simone Guevara uh, brings me great joy. And for those of you who have been in the, um, the Chicago land market for years, I just want to say it's good to be back. Mm -hmm. I got my start in my career at WLS, and as we were driving through, uh, coming from Grand Rapids, I was like, I worked in that building on State Street oh. with names you might remember, like Steve Deschler and Janet Davies and Connie Chung, and I met Oprah Winfrey when she was just starting out, and I look back at all of that, and I think, man, God's hand has been upon my career, mm. and how blessed. I have been along the journey and to think I'm still doing it today. And I always say people will be, when are you going to retire? You know, I'm the oldest running female in West Michigan doing this job. And I'll tell you what, TV is tough business. Um, and people always say, when are you going to retire? And I'm like, God hasn't released me yet. Mm. And I know there will come that time when I feel his hand 
lift from me and say, the next step is here. But it's not here yet because his work isn't done, and his work is not done through me. And I feel like even if I change my job, my calling will not change. Mm -hmm. So I really love this theme. This is so relevant today. And it's not only for our young people, but it's for each and every one of us. We all have a purpose and a reason we are here. And we need to embrace it to live the fullest life possible. So yeah. love this topic, Simon. Thank you for the intro video. Yeah, thanks. No, it's good right. stuff. I just want to brag about this kid for a minute. He was one sure. of our best senior writer producers around. Wow. Um, Simon and I were in TV um, back when we were using tape. Remember tape? People would come out and have big VHS tapes or three-quarter inch tapes. That evolved into computerization and all kinds of technology, and Simon led the way on all of that. Mm -hmm. And he was a rising rock star in his career, and then things changed for him. And that's the story we want to share today. But I want you to know what a talented young man, well, I'm still going to call you young. Oh, well, that's fine. What, yeah. a, what a talented you. guy you have yeah. with you who has felt God's hand upon his life and really knows what it means to be called. And I think that that's the part of your story that just um, gets me emotional when oh, I think about it. Thanks. Well, we'll get tears in a second. No, I don't want tears. Hold on to those. <laughs> um, so as you saw, her show is it's a five-night-a-week show, which is, I mean, I, I love it. It's great. It's energetic. It's exciting. tells you what's going on. It's for families, uh, you know, everyone. It's called Where You Live. But I want to talk particularly this morning, Lori, about where you work mm -hmm. and especially how you, you do this idea of everyday mission in your workplace. And so let's talk first about salt and light because you are obviously a Christian. You've grown up in a Christian home. How did you, as you began to be in your career in broadcasting, which has got to be a tough field, how did you first define yourself as a believer to say, okay, this is who I'm going to be here in the workplace? How did you do that? Well, it's interesting. I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was seven years old. I grew up in a Christian family. My grandpa started a Christian youth camp. So it was a part of who I was. It's my roots. So I ended up going to a, a liberal arts Christian college, liberal more than Christian. And for the first time in my life, I really saw that the world was gray because I grew up in a very black and white world. There was right and there was wrong. And when I went to that school, I was a theater major. And I can remember my grandma and grandpa, who were hardcore fundamentalists, um, really were like, I can't believe you're going into theater. And at the time, theater was uh, controversial, I guess. And I went into that career, but I knew I, wasn't, I didn't want to become that, but I, I loved theater, and that's what I, I was all about. And I studied at the Royal Shakespearean Theater in Cambridge, and I thought that was my life calling. And I ended up going into TV instead. And I don't know that TV is any cleaner than theater, but once, you got, once I got into this whole life, um, I really started to see that that black and white needs to exist in our world. Mm. And I fell more on the side of light than darkness. And I really started to feel God's calling. And it's not a matter of, you know, I mean, part of me was like, maybe I need to go into Christian ministry. Um, but I kept feeling God say, no, you're right where I need you to be. Mm. And I started making choices when I was young. Our business is not a nine-to-five business. Um, our business is... Uh, if you work in our newsroom, you might come in at three in the afternoon and you work to midnight and then you go out and you party for three hours and then you go home and sleep and get back up and do it all again. And that's, that's what, how our young people live yeah. in our field. And you move around a lot. You meet a lot of people. You have no strings. And that leads, a, you, it calls you to a very um, unconventional life. And I remember making the decision that I wasn't going to do that. And so I didn't go out with everybody. And it became known throughout the station that 
she's a little different. She's mm -hmm. straight-laced. Yeah. And it became, it's a lonely spot to be, I'll be honest with you. And I think uh, our, our kids, our grandkids today, when they stand up for truth, it is going to be lonely. And if you have kids right now who are in college, grandkids who are in college, send them a text, give them a call, tell them you're praying for them. They may not even believe the prayers you're saying or the words you're saying, but they need to know you love them and that you are lifting them up be before a holy and powerful mm. God. Yeah. And I think... They need to put that stake in the ground. And I did that at a young age. And I, looking back, I don't even know if I did it intentionally, but God did it. Mm. And God put it in my heart. Yeah, yeah. It seems like you did set pretty clear boundaries around your time, the way you committed to your family. Uh, and I noticed that as a coworker. Um, I don't know if I ever heard you pray out loud or say Jesus, but I definitely knew in the work environment there was something different about the way she was um, that you just kind of set yourself aside. So um, I wanted to ask you, because one of the concerns that people have about trying to live out our faith more publicly, especially in the workplaces or, again, everywhere we go each day, is that we're afraid of being judged, maybe uh, you know, afraid of being persecuted or losing job opportunities, that kind of stuff. Did you ever deal with that, this idea that you were being maybe judged for your faith or that maybe you lost on some opportunities? I am judged every single day. Uh, I think we all are judged every day. Uh, especially in my business. I'm judged on social media every single day. Mm. Didn't like what you were wearing. What are you doing with your hair now? Have you gained weight? Uh, I mean, all those questions come at you all the time. And if we think for a moment, we are not being judged by our neighbors for the car you drive, mm. for the clothes you wear, for the way you choose to live your life. We're crazy. We're being judged. Yeah. So once we realize that and we say, who's the real judge in our lives? you start living differently. Hmm. And I think about, you know what, the only one who's, who's judging me and the only one I'm here to please is Jesus. And so that means my choices are gonna look very different and you're gonna think something different of me and it doesn't matter because I'm free, because I'm living for eternity, I'm not, not living for today. Hmm. So in my business, you better believe it's difficult. Uh, interesting example, we have Lauren Daigle, who is a great singer. I don't know if anyone knows Lauren Daigle. Christian worship singer, yeah. There you got it. She's coming to uh, an arena in our town. And I reached out to our general manager and I said, hey, if we have any tickets left for Lauren Daigle, because it's a sellout show, I would really love a couple tickets to sit in our suite. The reply I got back from my boss literally three days ago was, you know nobody wants those Christian show tickets. Of course we have them left. Hmm. And part of me wants to stand up and say, are you kidding me? Um, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what, thank you. I would love to have those tickets. And it's those small things. And you know she went to her assistant and said, yeah, Miranda wants those Christian tickets again. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Really? Am I going to get bent out of shape over that? No way. And am I going to not ask for something that I want because I'm afraid they're going to judge me? No. I work with coworkers a lot who uh, use a lot of difficult language, make interesting life choices. And you know what? I'm not called to judge them. I'm called to love them. Mm. And... I look around my office, and I, it's a lot of 20-somethings, uh, young people passing through. They'll be in our station for a year to two, and I want them to know that if they ever need a safe place, if they ever need someone to just sit with them, if they just need a hug, they can come to me, and I'm not judging. And if that's why I'm still in the business, man, i got, yeah. I got to stay. Yeah, that, that's good. I mean, because there can sometimes be two faces of, you know, being a Christian witness. One can be more offensive and judgmental and, you know, almost abrasive. And we, you know, I remember we had people in our office, there was a guy that was, you know, he, he wore the giant cross and he was just very uh, abrasive about his faith, honestly. Uh, 
that was kind of off-putting, but there was something different about you. And again, you weren't, you weren't out there all the time with it, but you could just sense there were some values that you lived that seemed different. Um, but yeah, when we would go out after work and I was part of that crew, you know, it, we noticed that you didn't go, but you were also someone we wanted to spend time with. And so there's an interesting mix there. I like the spending time. I think that's a really important thing. I look at, you know what, I love light. I love being light. Mm. And it's not my light, it's Christ's light shining through me. And I have found that the closer I get to Christ, the more difficult times we go through, the more we go to the cross, the more God's light fills us. Mm. And so when someone comes to me and they're like, man, I am on the edge of a divorce, I'm not going right there with them and saying, your husband has been a jerk to you. Instead, I'm just like, you know what? My heart is breaking for you. Hmm. And my heart is breaking for your family. And I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for your family. And I'll sit with them and I'll cry, but you have to be available and you have to be willing to listen. Because it is so easy to get on that bandwagon with them and be, you know what, you're right. This place is terrible. These people are terrible. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's what the world does. And people don't take the time to just show love. And I've noticed, I mean, and I'm a busy person. I love being busy. Yeah. But I have to leave those moments of pause mm. where I can just be there for somebody. Yeah. Um, and I, I would challenge all of us to do that. Uh, no matter how busy you are or no matter how detached or isolated or whatever you're feeling, there is somebody who needs you. Hmm. And never think that you are too busy or have too much to get done to stop and to pause. And if you're saying, you know what, God hasn't brought me anybody like this in a long time, you start praying for it right now. Hmm. My husband and I, uh, and this is my awesome husband down here, Ron, um, it is strange how God has given us this calling. Ron is the solid rock, a man of few words. But I can come home to him and be like, you know what, we're going to have this guy over. He's struggling. He's in the middle of blah, blah, blah. Ron's like, great, what time's he coming? We have found that God has given us the opportunity to open our homes to people who are lost and weary. Hmm. And it's people that Jesus would have met at the well. It's yeah. people that are not like us. And I think what a gift we've given our children to be able to say, love all. Hmm. Open your home and open your heart to all. And... To me, that is a huge blessing. I would never have met a guy like this oh. if God didn't just open my heart and my mind a little bit. Yeah. So I wanted to get into this idea that you, you work in, a, in broadcasting, and, and God has obviously carved out a space for you who can be a very positive influence. She, you know, she's not a hard news anchor or anything like that. So you, you have a role as kind of family services uh, in, in, in West Michigan that's a positive face, which is so great. But at the end of the day, your job is about money. Broadcasting is about money, okay? So you have to make a lot of money for the station. You do keep incredibly busy. How do you have time for people who are maybe broken, hurting? You said those people at the well. How do you make time? Have you ever had a situation where you're like, I'm crazy busy, and then suddenly there's someone in front of you that has need that you didn't expect? Regularly. Uh, and that's what I love, how God surprises us with those things where it's like, you think you're running the show, I'm running the show. Mm. Um, you know, it is, it, we are all about the money. Uh, we are all about ratings and revenue in broadcasting. So if for a minute you think that you're watching television and they're giving you all the information, they're giving you the information that we want you to get, but we're also mixing in the messages that we're being paid to give you. I'm just going to be honest. Okay. So it is a tough business and you have, there is a tough line you walk every single day. Um, but what I love is God will bring people in to stop me. So we have a storage room where we store all of our posters and banners and things that I gather when I'm heading out for an appearance. 
probably four weeks ago. I'm in there and I'm gathering all this stuff and I've got my producer with me and I'm handing her a bunch of stuff and she takes stuff to go down to our van and I'm alone in this room and it's the back room hidden in the station. And our HR director comes in. And I mean, I've known her for several years. And I'm like, how are you doing today? And she's like, not very good. And I'm like, what's going on, Linda? And she's like, you know what? She's like, I've got no feeling in my feet. I'm starting to lose feeling in my hands. They've been running some tests, and they think I might have lupus. And she just starts sobbing. And you know when you're in those moments? And I just hugged her. And I said, can I pray for you? And she's like, would you pray for me? And here we are in the back room at the TV station, and I'm praying for my dear friend Linda, who I've known for years but never really known. And weren't you going for an appearance somewhere? Like, didn't <laughs> yeah, you have to I've, leave? Got, I've got that going. Yeah. But I'm praying with Linda. And I'll tell you what, over the past four weeks, every time I pass Linda in the hall, I look at her, and I'm like, how are you doing? And she smiles, and she'll say, I'm okay. Or, can you come see me in my office? And I'll go in and she'll tell me about the next test reporter. We have a different relationship now. Mm. And I always leave and I always will say, I'm going to keep praying for you, Linda. I had a strange thing happen. Uh, the governor of the state of Michigan has something called the Children's Trust Foundation. And a woman named Suzanne is the executive director of that trust foundation. She reached out to me and asked if I'd meet her in Lansing for coffee a month ago. I go down to Lansing, I meet this lady, she is tough. I mean, she is tough. She has been dealing with children of abuse and neglect for years in her career. And I'm trying to break through, I'm trying to find like why I'm sitting with her. And she's talking to me about we want to consider you for our board and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I need to do? And she said, well, actually, I've got to go out to Seattle. My daughter, who's 30 years old, she is doing cancer research, has just been diagnosed with cancer herself. And she's like, I'm going out there to be with her. She's going to get surgery. I'm only staying two weeks. When I get back, we'll continue the conversation. Hmm. Everything changed. Suzanne, can I pray for you and your daughter? We don't pray. Okay. I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you and your daughter, though, and I want you to know you're going to be in my thoughts and prayers. I drive back to Grand Rapids. I send her an email, thank her for the lovely lunch, and I say, continuing to pray for you and your daughter. No reply. About a week ago. Hi, I'm back from Seattle. I'm getting ready to go back. Things aren't going well for my daughter. Would you please keep praying for her? Happy to. Hmm. Happy to. I don't care about that Governor's Trust Children's Foundation. If they need me, I'm there to help. But I care about Suzanne. Hmm. And I care about her 30-year-old daughter out in Seattle alone, lost. If God can somehow use me in this mix, to him be the glory. Yeah. Again, that's the people that God places around you. And, and the places that he sends you. So uh, sometime, and this is going back uh, some years, you had a lunch with a coworker who was kind of struggling in his, uh, his life. Um, and I'm sure we both had a lot of work to do that day, but you reached out to him with the love of God and the grace of Christ, invited him into her home to be part of her family. And honestly, that's one of the main reasons I'm standing here today. Her witness at work is what God used to lead me to Christ. Friends, we are called to be salt and light in a world that so desperately needs it. But that salt, and I love how you do this, you do this so well, it stays pure in a, in a world of corruption, and it stays bright so that that time when, when the neighbors need a place of refuge to run to, they feel safe with you. 
Isn't God good? He is good. I mean, yeah. you know, because I hear you say all that, and I'm like, truly nothing that I do, nothing that Ron and I do is worthy. Yeah. But God in us gives us the opportunity to just be obedient. Yeah. And to just pray, God, use me however you choose. Bring me whoever is that next hurting person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, the things that people tell me uh, curl my hair. And I'm like, I can't believe the life you're living. Yeah. And then I remember, well, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to love. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to lead us into a shared prayer uh, as we recognize our call to mission. And then we're going to respond with hymn 299, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Let's pray together. God of all creation, as Monday comes, we know that without you, we shall not profit. Give us the saving light of your Holy Spirit, that we may see the sacredness of the day. Teach us the joyful art of attending to our work with eternal purpose, and send us out with compassion for the people around us. Lead us to be salt in the world, pure and incorruptible. Let us be your light shining into the darkness so that the world would know true fellowship in you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.